to take us to the Lord's table this evening, I have a few words to tell you about Matthew chapter 26. So if you turn with me there, Matthew chapter 26. And we'll just read verses 26 to 28. Yes, Matthew 26, verses 26 to 28. And as they, that is Jesus and his disciples, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. I have for you a very simple message this evening. It has two points, giving and taking. Giving and taking. We'll look at giving first, and then we'll look at taking. Giving. There are three levels of giving. All right? Giving, level one. When we come to the Lord's table, what's happening is that the Lord Jesus is giving us something. And the first level of this is that he's giving us what, what we have. I don't have one on me. In your little things that you've picked up as you came in, on the top there's some bread, and underneath is some wine. Jesus gives us bread and wine, food and drink. Just like you and I, when we have guests around our house and we show some hospitality, as the Bible says we ought, we give people bread, and we give people wine maybe, we give them food and drink to sustain their bodies. And it is as simple as that. The first level of giving in the Lord's Supper is that he gives us food and he gives us drink to sustain us in our bodies. And it's as simple as that, really. And there are a few things that are so real. There are a few things so earthy and sort of visceral as that, isn't it? The simple things of hunger and thirst and eating and drinking, they are of the essence of life. Now, I hope you don't mind me saying so, I think you'll agree with me, that we're a bit out of touch with all of this in our prosperous West of 2022. We have forgotten what it is to be hungry and thirsty. Because food is available to us immediately and in abundance. You can go on your phone right now and you can order a pizza and it'll be here before I get to point two. We've forgotten how essential it is to the life of human beings to eat and to drink. What happens when you don't eat or drink? If that goes on for long enough, you're going to die. And we seem to have forgotten that, really. So we mustn't spurn the fact that when we come to the Lord's table, Jesus Christ gives us bread to eat and wine to drink, that we might be fed and watered. It is a vivid reminder of our own frailty and that we must eat to live and drink to live. And it is the Lord Jesus who gives us our daily bread. He's the one who sustains our lives, giving us all that we need. We pray, don't we? Give us this day our daily bread. And here it is. 
Now, we're used to taking just a teeny tiny little bit, isn't it? We have just a little bit of bread, about that much, and a little bit of wine, about that much. Do you know what, what is it that the first sort of, uh, the, the Christians in the early church, what did they do when they took their communion for the first time? I'll tell you what they did. No one knows, because no one was there. <laughs> None of us were there. So don't listen when people tell you this is what they did. We don't know because we weren't there. But it seems, from what we do know, that they made a meal of it. And in Corinth, when you read the letter to the Corinthians, boys back, they took an awful lot, didn't they? They took too much bread and wine. It seems to have been a meal. And what's going on there is that they got this first level. They understood it. That Jesus meets our bodily needs by feeding us, and by giving us what we need for our bodies, giving us this day our daily bread. And that's why the Lord's Supper is sometimes called a feast, to satisfy the hungry and to satisfy the thirsty. That's why in some corners of the church, people are in the habit of fasting before they come to the Lord's table so they can really get in touch with this, so they can feel in their bodies their own weakness and dependence upon all that God will give them. So that when they come to the Lord's table, they're touching into that. That here, level one, the Lord Jesus gives us food and drink. But it gets a bit deeper than that, doesn't it? Level two. Jesus gives bread and wine to his disciples here in Matthew 26. But what does he call them? He says, this is my body and this is my blood. Talking about the bread and the wine. In no uncertain terms, in no quibbles, it is not a simile, neither is it a mere metaphor. This meal sustains us in our bodies because it is food and drink, and it sustains us in our souls because by faith we apprehend that it is the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, isn't it? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. And here he is. Here he is. You and I, we need desperately the Lord Jesus Christ. We need the word of God. And in communion, every single time, he gives not just bread and wine, but himself. He gives himself to us in this meal. He calls himself, doesn't he, in John 6. He says, I am the bread of life. I have been given, I give myself, he says, to give life to you, body and soul. The Lord Jesus offers himself to us at this table that we might have life. Life in our bodies, because we're eating and we're drinking. Life in our souls, because we're taking hold of Jesus Christ by faith. What is it that we take when we have communion? Yes, bread. Yes, wine. But by faith, we take hold of Jesus Christ himself. There was a man in Scotland a long time ago called Robert Bruce. Now, not that Robert Bruce the king, the warlord, or whatever, a different Robert Bruce, a theologian. He lived in the early 1500s, and he was writing about communion, wrote a very good book on it. And he says that just as we eat food with our mouth, he says, faith is like the mouth of the soul. You see that? Faith is the mouth of the soul. 
By faith we take hold of Jesus Christ in the Lord's Supper and we drink him in. So level one, the Lord Jesus gives us food and drink to sustain us in our bodies. Level two, he gives himself to us that we might be fed in our souls. Level three. How many hands did it take to receive the bread from Jesus Christ? Around that table, the Lord Jesus gave bread to his disciples. And they could not have taken it in one hand. Because you see what Jesus had done is he had taken this loaf of bread that was large enough to feed them all and he tore it into bits and gave it to the disciples who with two hands had to sort of handle all of these pieces. The bread had been ripped into pieces. What a visual lesson that is to us when we come to the Lord's table. I mean, Many churches are still in the habit of doing that, aren't they? Ripping to bits the bread. Because it is not a full loaf, but a broken one. The wine had been spilled from one vessel into a cup to be shared around. A body broken. Blood spilled. When we take communion, it is not just that we might be sustained in our bodies by the meal that it is. And it is not just any body and blood that we apprehend, but a broken body and spilled blood. We take it to remember his suffering for us. This do in remembrance of me, he said. Now, if you'll allow me to comment on that word, remember. The word remember in English, it just means to sort of recall, doesn't it? You just, you just recall an event or a person or a conversation, whatever it is. But the word that's used here is a bit more meaningful than that. It means to relive, to participate in something. It's a little bit like what we might call a flashback, where it's more than just remembering. It's like you go back there. At the Lord's table, we don't reenact the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He died once and for all for sinners but we relive it. We go back there. We remember that here he died for me. The Lord Jesus Christ was given for me. Upon the cross, his body was broken and his blood was spilled for me. And I'm remembering that. It's real. We remember that he was undone, that we might not be undone. That he was condemned, that we might be acquitted. That he was destroyed by the wrath of God for our sins so that we might not have to be. He was swallowed up and dominated by death so that we might be set free. We remember that he was killed and forsaken, executed, descended all the way down to death, even to the grave for us. We remember a body broken and blood spilled for us. And that's why communion is a serious and a sober thing, as well as joyful. As well as joyful, it is serious and sober to say, look, he feeds us like a shepherd, like a father. He provides for us. Look, 
He doesn't hold himself back, but he gives himself to us unflinchingly. Without someone in between, he just gives himself to us. He lays himself open. He says, take, eat, drink. To say, look, his body was broken, his blood was spilled. He suffered death for us, broken and poured out for sinners. It's a serious, a wonderful, a joyful, a sober meal. But why is the bread torn to bits? Why is the wine spilled into a cup? Why is the body broken? What does Jesus say? Look again at verse 20. Where is it? 28. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. That's why his body was broken. That's why the bread is ripped up. That is why the wine is spilled and Jesus' blood was poured out. It is for the remission of sins. It reminds us of that verse, doesn't it? Without the shedding of blood, what? There can be no remission of sins. That word remission is wonderful, isn't it? Remission. Do you know, it's, it's the same sort of word as uh, we get the word missile from the same sort of word. Do you know that? And what does a, mis- what does a missile do? Whoosh! And you never see it again. It's just gone. It's just quickly as that and it is gone. As far as you can possibly see, it just disappears. You might not even hear the pop at the end. It's gone. Jesus Christ gave his body and his blood. He died upon the cross that our sins might be forgiven, remitted, gone, like a missile. Whoosh, and you never see it again. We have sins on us, don't we? Be under no illusion. I don't think I need to convince anyone of that. Our whole lives are marked with transgression in some way. Even the best things that we have ever done have been just marked, just ruined to the very core by false motive, by pride by some little thing not done right. And this is why throughout the whole of the Old Testament, even in Jesus' day, there was a sacrifice of a lamb every single morning and a sacrifice of a lamb every single evening to cover the sins of the day just gone and to cover the sins of the night just gone. Every day, every night, a sacrifice, a sacrifice, a sacrifice. Blood shed, blood shed, blood shed all the time because it is taken for granted that we have sin and nothing can take it away without blood nothing can take it away without blood we are dripping with it the things we've done and said the things we've thought the things we've left undone have you come in with any shame clinging to you are there any providences that have come past in your life that you just resent you can't thank God for it. Have you ever thought, how can I ever forgive God for doing this, for letting that happen? Do you have any skeletons in your closets or any scandals that hover over your head, any black marks on your history? We have sins. We do not fully love our God. We do not fully believe his word. Do you remember when Jesus was preaching one day, he said to the Jews who were so pernickety about the things that they ate, remember? He says, it is not what goes into your mouth which, which makes you unclean and defiles you. 
It is what comes out of you that makes you unclean and defiles you. The sins that constantly churn out of your heart, adultery, fornication, murder, theft, and lies, and pride, it's just bubbling out of us all of the time. And our sins, they grieve God, and they kill us slowly over time. And because God is just, and because God is good, we must be punished. Our bodies must be broken. Our blood must be spilled. We are doomed. It cannot be our own blood which is shed because we cannot bear it. It cannot be the blood of all those lambs that were slain, as we read in Hebrews 10 this morning. And then the Lord Jesus stands before us in all of our helplessness, in all of our hopelessness, in all of our sin and condemnation, in all of our inevitable doom. He stands before us and he says, Behold, I have come. In the book it is written of me, you have given me a body, he says, my body broken, not theirs, my blood spilled for the remission of their sins. That is why when we come to the Lord's table, we remember not just that he gives us food for our bodies, not just that he gives himself for our souls, not just that his body was broken, not that he suffered, but why he suffered. He suffered that all of our sins might be taken away. Here we see a body broken and blood spilled because of our sins, that they might be taken away as far as the east is from the west. That is a gospel, isn't it? That our sins may be taken away as far as the east is from the west. You know, there are many things that are all wrapped up in the Lord's table, lots of beautiful things, and we've just touched on a few, haven't we? But they all add up to this. They all add up to the love of God. In the Lord's table, you can take this little thing that you picked up at the door, and you can look it in your hand, and you can see in it the love of God the Father towards sinners, that he would give his only Son that we might be forgiven of all of our sins. I mean, it's quite poignant, isn't it, really? I mean, when we, have, um, when we have funerals here, when we say goodbye to our loved ones, our friends, our family who have gone, and we put their bodies here. And then when we come to take the Lord's table, in the same place, we see that God the Father has spread the body and the blood of his precious Son because he loves us so much. We can see in these little plastic tubs of wafer and wine the love of God the Son that he would give himself for us, even thankfully. Did you notice that in the reading? That the Lord Jesus took bread, blessed it, and gave thanks and broke it. That he took the wine and he gave thanks and shared it. Thank you, Father. For giving me a body and blood that I might be dashed to pieces for these sinners. Thank you that I might assign myself into the grave and death. Thank you that I might take all of the sin of these sinners who will trust in me. That they might be forgiven. That's love. In these little plastic tubs, they look so simple and small. You can see the love 
of God the Holy Spirit, who will take you and wash you in this blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to take away your sin. The love of God and the forgiveness of our sins are always tied together in the Bible. It's because he loves us that he forgives us. Because we are forgiven, we know that he loves us. I opened this morning, didn't I, with um, Psalm 103. And in that psalm, we have this in verse 11. As high, as, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so is his mercy or his love towards those who fear him. He's got this much great love. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. His forgiveness and his love. So that's giving then on those three levels. That in the Lord's table, the Lord gives us bread. He gives us wine, food and drink to sustain our bodies. By faith, we take hold of him and we say, yes, this is my saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, his body and his blood. That he gives us a body broken and blood spilt that all of our sins might be taken away and we can be pure and right with God. Now we come to taking, and this bit's shorter. John Owen, the great Puritan and preacher, said that there are two great acts in communion. He says, the first is that God gives Christ to the sinner, and the second is that the sinner takes Christ from God. He was into simple sermons as well, apparently. And it's important that you and I notice that Jesus commands this. If you look there again at Matthew 26 and those few verses that we just read, there are three words that the Lord Jesus puts into the imperative, meaning that there are three words, there are three things that he's telling you to do. What are they? Take, eat, and drink. When you bought that engagement ring to give to your fiancé, if you've had the pleasure of doing that, did you hold on to it for a few weeks or a few days, maybe even months, waiting for just the right time to give it? Or maybe just the right person, if you're really forward planning. <laughs> waiting, waiting, waiting to give this gift. Have you ever bought a gift and never got round to giving it? I wonder how many of you have got boxes at home that are full of gifts that you've yet to give. It is not like that with our living God. Our Father who art in heaven has given, past tense, He has given to us His Son, this gift. He has spread before us this table with bread and wine that we might take the body and the blood of Jesus Christ who has been given up, crucified for sinners. He has given him to us that we might take him. But what if we put that the other way around? What if you take this engagement ring and you get down on your knees and you open that box and you say, I love you. Will you take this? And then they don't take it. What a heart-rending thing. What a tragic, sorrowful thing to have to go through. And that's why there are two things going on in communion. God has given himself for sinners, and you are that sinner. 
And right now, even in this building, it is as if the father is getting on his knees and he is holding out his dazzling son and he's saying, will you take him? Will you take him? I'm giving him to you. Will you take him? And the Lord Jesus stands before us this evening and he says, take, eat, drink, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. What a love. Just like this morning, I have two points of application. Just two things to tell you and we're done. First, think highly of communion. And do everything in your power not to miss it when you know it's on. Because here, God the Father is holding out his Son for you to take him. When you wake up on the first and third Sunday of the month, what goes through your mind? Do you think, oh no, the service is going to be a little bit longer. I might have to put the potatoes in just before I go or whatever. Or do you think, yes, I get to hear the gospel. I get to see the gospel. I get to take by faith the body and the blood of Jesus Christ into my soul for the remission of my sins. Think highly of communion. Here's the second thing to finish. And it is much more urgent than a fortnight's time. I think you know what I'm going to say. Take, eat and drink. I don't need to add any more to Jesus' words than that. It is in communion that the Lord Jesus Christ is held out to the believer and how he is taken. With our mouth, we are going to take bread and wine. And by our faith, we are going to lay hold of his precious and broken body and his spilled blood. We're going to remember him and participate again in that wonderful sacrifice that was made for us sinners. We're going to lay hold of him who has loved us and given himself for us that our sins might be taken away and we never see them again. We get to relive that wonderful moment of liberation and forgiveness when the weight of our sins rolled off our backs, never to be experienced again. When we come to the table, we're going to see that God has given his son for us. And out of the heart of every person in this room, out of each of us may come the cry, Father, I am the sinner for whom you have given your son. Let me take him. He is mine because he is dead for sinners. And so we take and we eat. And just as you can't eat anything if you don't have a mouth, there is no receiving Christ without faith. 
what happens in communion is no, it's no sort of magic ritual. It's not any sort of spell that's being cast. It's not that when you just knock back any old bread and wine and call it a communion service that you're receiving Christ. It is by faith that you are going to hold on to him. So now is the time, my brothers and my sisters, whether for the first time or for the thousandth time, to repent of your sins, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, take, eat, and drink for the remission of your sins. Amen. May God bless his word to us. Let's pray before we sing together. Our Father who art in heaven, we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ, your Son. We thank you for his broken body and his shed blood for us sinners, that we might have hope of sins forgiven. We pray, Lord, for ourselves and for all of those who have gathered with us, that you might grant us repentance and faith unto eternal life, that we might know the remission of our sins. Bless us as we come to your table now, Lord, that we would think rightly about it and that we would... Heed your call to repent of our sins, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and to take this meal, that we might remember him who has died for us and proclaim his death until he comes. Amen.